global hype around diabetes drug Ozempic as an appetite suppressant and weight loss tool is driving people to source unproven and potentially unsafe alternatives. The drug is primarily used to regulate blood sugar for people with type 2 diabetes, but its popularity among celebrities, particularly in the United States, caused a spike in demand late last year and a global shortage that is expected to last until the end of next year, creating problems for people who rely on it for their diabetes treatment. The hype's being blamed for rising demand for quick-fix weight loss alternatives. The United States is experiencing a boost in demand for and a shortage of several brands of laxatives, following a recent social media trend dubbing it the budget Ozempic. Natural supplement Biberine is also rising in popularity, with some New Zealand health stores selling out in a day as interest spiked earlier this year. Well, soon we'll speak to nutritionist Anna Williams, who warns fads like this can spiral people into disordered eating. And if you or anyone you know needs help with that, there are helpline contacts on our webpage. But first to speak uh, to the dangers of long-term laxative use and also how Australia is managing the Ozempic drug itself, which is not a laxative. Um, it was approved for weight management there uh, and Associate Professor for, of the Sydney Pharmacy School, uh, Niall Wheat, is with us to talk about how Australia is managing all this. Niall, welcome. Am I pronouncing your first name correctly? Welcome. Good morning. You are 100% getting it right. Well done. Thank you. First, can we begin with Ozempic and the properties that have made it so successful? First, as a diabetes treatment, can you explain that? And also whether there are any side effects, please. So Ozempic is the brand name of a drug we call semaglutide, which is a protein-based drug. Um, and we use it to treat type 2 diabetes. So when you have type 2 diabetes, you have too much blood glucose in your body. Um, so what we want to do is control that. Um, so when we give you this drug, it reduces the amount of glucose that you absorb and decreases your appetite. And it works a lot like a hormone called GLP-1. Um, what was So we got approved for type 2 diabetes. And what we found was a lot of the people, one of the big risk factors for type 2 diabetes is being overweight. And everyone who was taking it to manage their blood glucose levels had significant drops in weight. So doctors started doing what's called off-label prescribing. That's where they can prescribe it for something that it wasn't originally approved for. And doctors started um, writing prescriptions for Ozempic for people just to lose weight and not to actually treat type 2 diabetes. Is this how the celebrities got access to it and made so much noise on social media? And then, to be fair, mainstream media got in and started reporting all this as well. Uh, but is that how they came to be uh, prominent influencers? Very much likely that's the case. Um, we do have to, most of this started in the US and the US does have different advertising laws for prescription medicines that Australia and New Zealand do. So here uh, on our side of the planet, you, you, it's illegal to advertise prescription medicines in any way. But in America, the rules are slightly different. So social influencers could just be talking about it and their experience, which is not illegal, but it's also possible that social influencers in the US were paid as almost like a, a cash for comment type of thing to get the word out there about Ozempic. We should say at the time the demand was such that the Danish drug maker briefly became Europe's most valuable company. This was just last month. 
Uh, and, and is that explained by its efficacy as a diabetes treatment, or is this media and social media demand-driven hype likely part of that as well? So you're certainly right. So Nova Nordisk, the company behind it, um, is selling a lot of this drug. I think this year alone, they're, they're selling $3 billion. Last year, it was just over $2 billion. But to put that into perspective, last year, we sold $41 billion worth of COVID vaccines. And the highest-selling drug, Humira, which we use for rheumatoid arthritis, sold $22 billion. So it's, okay. still, it's still small money when you compare it to the big ones. It is, but the shortage uh, is obviously concerning for those who actually need it most. Can we look at how Australia's managing it? I know your drug regulator was looking into the promotion of the drug uh, or, or its off-label alternative on social media, but also last week the Therapeutic Goods Administration advised prescribers not to start any new patients on Ozempic unless there's no alternative. Now, was this for diabetes treatment? Was it for weight loss treatment not necessarily related to diabetes what are the sort of regulations and advice on its prescribing in australia now yeah so you're certainly right so in australia ozempic is approved for the management of type 2 diabetes there is another drug it's the same drug under a different brand called wegovi which is available for weight loss and it's exactly the same drug but as you said the tga said stop prescribing this for new patients because we've got too much of a shortage and there are people that need it and they want to keep it available for the people that generally need it for type 2 diabetes. And this is not a problem for us because there are lots of alternative drugs that we can take. So normally someone on type 2 diabetes will get a drug called metformin, which is a drug that we use to control blood sugar release from the liver and it helps cells absorb sugar a bit faster. For weight loss, we've got other drugs that people can use. So there's a drug called Duramine, which is an amphetamine-based drug, and it lowers your appetite. We've got a drug called Orlistat, which helps in the prevention of fat. So we can use those instead of Ozempic. And even if we are looking at weight loss and we want to use a drug, there are other drugs that are available in New Zealand and Australia that are almost the same as Ozempic. So there's one called Duaglutide, which is sold under the name of Trulicity. And another one called Saxdenda, which is liraglutide, and both of those are available in New Zealand. And in fact, duraglutide is subsidised by Pharmac in New Zealand, whereas Ozempic's not. Okay, so they are prescription drugs for uh, specific uh, treatments, uh, whether diabetes or, or whether um, a weight loss or an obesity issue. Can we now turn to... To some extent anecdotal, although there's evidence beyond that in places like the United States, and I think um, there are shortages of some laxatives appearing there, and I'm not sure what the situation is in Australia. But the worry is, again, that social media trends are driving people to look for other quick fixes. Zepic is not a laxative, but but, but can we talk about the risks of people who are looking for what they are uh, perceiving to be a quick quick fix alternative, and indeed on some social media traffic, it's being talked about as such? Absolutely, and I'm sure Anna's going to talk to this and the problem of our mentality of wanting a quick fix for so many of our problems. So a lot of people are turning to what they call budget ozempics, which are basically just laxatives. Uh, The most popular ones are the ones that contain a chemical called polyethylene glycol, 3350 PEG, 3350. Um, It's what we call an osmotic laxative. So what happens is when you swallow it, it doesn't get absorbed by your body, and as it travels through your gut, it pulls water out of your body and makes your stools, your feces, very, very watery. Now, what this means is you lose weight. 
right? So all the water that you lose when you go to the toilet is weight loss. Are you going to lose a lot of weight doing this? No, you're not. Maybe a kilo, maybe two kilos at the most. And the big problem is you have to take this drug basically every day because as soon as you stop taking it, you're just going to reabsorb the water um, afterwards. And there are lots of dangers with this because basically you're only losing weight because you're becoming dehydrated. So you get all the normal side effects from dehydration. You become dizzy, you become lightheaded, you get a headache, you get a dry mouth, dry lips. But then you also get more serious things like vomiting, diarrhea, nausea. You're going to get your stomach's going to swell up, and you're going to get cramps and pain. So this is this is not a good choice for people. Niall, thank you so much for your time. Niall Wheats, who is associate professor at the Sydney Pharmacy School. And he's referencing Anna Williams, who we now welcome. She's a qualified registered nutritionist who specialises in helping people break free from restrictive eating. Anna, thanks for your time. Good morning. Good morning, Catherine. Thanks for having me. Can you pick up here on what you want to draw attention to? We've heard in great detail from Niall all the issues around Azempic and its off-label alternatives and other drugs that are available by prescription. Um, but could you speak to this issue of the hype that builds up and some of the social media stuff that builds up and what you want people to know about the quick fix alternatives being touted. Yes, absolutely. And I think, you know, we need to be clear that some of these medications are extremely important for people managing diabetes and certain health conditions. Um, Where it has become a little bit blurry is, again, in the use of for intentional weight loss. And certainly I think Ozempic and, and these types of drugs do contribute to the um, quick fix mentality. Um, they also assume that your weight is the, the main contributor to your health outcomes and assumes that, um, you know, that a weight loss will mean that you're improving a lot of long-term health outcomes. And we know that actually behaviours that we're doing, uh, health-promoting behaviours are a lot more important. So I think, yes, we should absolutely be, um, you know, weary of a a quick fix when it comes to trying to improve our long-term health. And ideally, it's also not without harm either. And, you know, when people are looking for these cheaper alternatives, they may be harmful in terms of certain interactions with medications and I think that comes to the point around you know should we be self-prescribing supplements and the answer of that would be no because of the some of the interactions with medications we may already be taking people may not be taking the supplement as prescribed on the the label and that can be harmful in other ways too so yeah and and definitely in terms of the social media aspect there was a big increase in the the discussion around these sort of weight loss drugs though they are nothing new that we have had weight loss drugs around for quite a while um but yes when people start searching for alternatives that's definitely not helpful at all and can be harmful what is your comment on the fad dieting? And as Niall was explaining, the likes of laxatives, it's water that's causing that little movement on the scales anyway, uh, and it'll need to be replenished. But, but you know, what is your message to people perhaps at risk of influence or, or, or listening to this idea that um, quick fixes are there uh, and, and, and the fads that, as you point out, come and go? 
Yeah, so I, I think we need to be really start to be critical around looking at these types of fad diets. They've been around for a very long time. And I think if it's something that you wouldn't be able to sustain long term, it's probably not worth starting on or engaging with to begin with. So we know that the problem, one of the problems to do with fad dieting is often people, it's not just that they'll do one, there'll be many attempts and that can result in something called weight cycling. And weight cycling, which is really the 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 when you lose weight, regain weight, lose weight over multiple times, um, has its own range of health problems in itself. So it's not just the 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 one diet that you're doing, it's what does that look like long term. So we would absolutely encourage people to be very critical around what they are um, you know, what they're choosing to engage in. We also know that fad dieting is a really high predictor of uh, disordered eating or eating disorders. And so if someone is engaging in a, a fad diet, we know that dieting itself, 35% of dieting becomes obsessive and 25% of those actually turn into eating disorders. And that's yeah, very harmful and, and very problematic as well. Thank you, Anna. Anna Williams, who is a qualified registered nutritionist. She specialises in helping people break free from restrictive eating.